What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Free Kick Fantasy W Podcast. We're back with yet another team overview. Today, we are talking about the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. I'm your host, Jono, and joining me today is Liam. G'day, everybody. Very excited to be hitting yet another super fantasy relevant team. Yeah, it's going to be a super interesting chat. There are some highly relevant, super high scoring players from last season. And it's going to be really interesting to see kind of when we think about we're going to, when we're going to bring them in. Yeah, it's a team we, we definitely had a few players in last year and, and they've gone through a lot of change in the offseason. So it's going to be fun. But let's start off with an overview of the Kangaroos' time in the AFLW. They were not one of the original clubs in Season 1. They joined in Season 3 back in 2019. But they managed to sign a lot of big names at the time. So pretty much from the get-go, they have been a very successful team. Back then, the first two seasons they were involved, there was a bit of a conference system, so they managed to finish second and third in their areas. But even since we've got the just the one league all combined into one, they've still managed to make finals in the last two seasons, coming in sixth and fourth. They are led by potentially one of the most accomplished players in the AFL in Emma Carney. And what a, what a champion she is. And speak of the devil, we may actually have an interview from the superstar that is Emma Carney. Yeah, look, we might just jump straight into that. So have a listen. So today we are very lucky to be joined by Emma Carney of the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Emma, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. We are very excited to have you on because you're potentially the most accomplished guest we've ever had. I don't mean to embarrass you here, but we just want to run a few things that you've, you've accomplished over the past few years. You're a six times All-Australian between your time in the Bulldogs and, and North Melbourne. You're a league best and fairest winner back in 2018, also playing for the Bulldogs at the time and managed to win a premiership that year. Uh, you've captained North Melbourne ever since they've joined the league in 2019. And I think you've also won four consecutive Shinboner of the Year awards. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. I, I can't believe how many things that is. I mean, is, is, is there anything we've missed? Uh, no, I reckon you've covered it all off. You've done well there. You've done your research. It's quite a, a list of accomplishments, really. And that's that's just in the AFLW because with most athletes, and I suppose in the AFLW, you've been juggling different careers and different sports over the years. We've also seen that you're the only cricketer to have ever bought out Elise Perry for a golden duck in the Big Bash. Only an AFLW player to have yeah. bowled out Elise Perry for a duck. <laughs> I think a couple of people have done it before. <laughs> that, that's probably my only good accomplishment playing cricket. My claim to fame is getting around, but apart from that, there wasn't too many other highlights. I think there might also have been a, a, you've taken a wicket against your now former teammate Jess Duffin. Has that copped a mention as well? Yep, yep. I've, um, yeah, we got stuck into each other after that. I mean, you know, <laughs> we won't mention the probably she's probably hit me for a couple of sixes before I got her out, but you know. <laughs> There's only yeah. one highlight on the internet and that's your wicket. So that's all that matters. Yeah, right. Keep it that way then. <laughs> well, last year was a very competitive year for North Melbourne yet again, finishing in fourth place with seven wins. And it seemed like there were a lot of role changes in the team last year, but you, you managed it with a lot of ease. You've got Jazz Garner kicking goals left, right and centre. Ash Riddell setting disposal records. How does it feel going as, as a team coming into season seven? 
Yeah, it's it's going well with um, expansion coming into the competition, so four extra teams. Um, we've lost a few players from that expansion period, but I think what we've been able to gain is some young, energetic talent that's come through. Probably what we've lacked in the past few seasons is a bit of pace, so we've been able to kind of get across two Irish recruits that are electric. They're still trying to pick up the game a little bit, but their speed is going to be a huge asset to us. And then just some um, younger underage talent that we're able to pick up, which, um, yeah, they're going to have really exciting, bright futures for the club. Yeah, they look fantastic, some of the highlights we've seen of those two. And I think Vicky, she was a footballer of the year last year in Ireland. I think she's going to be electric. Are they looking like they'll be in, into the side at some point this season? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Vicky's still over in Ireland at the moment. She's finishing off her Gaelic season, but she'll be, she'll be back with her with all. She'll come over to us um, in the next couple of weeks. We're really excited to see what she can bring um, from all reports. She's super powerful, strong, uh, and really quick. So she'll be a great asset for us in the forward line. Uh, it, it might take her like a little bit just to pick up the sort of game style and, um, you know, the physicality of the game compared to Gaelic, but uh, I have no doubt that she'll be able to slot in quite seamlessly. Um, Erica O'Shea. Uh, she's the youngest Irish girl to come over. Uh, she's been really impressive. Her running capacity is nothing that like I've seen before. Um, and considering she's only small little thing, her physicality has been really pleasing to see. So, again, she'll uh, no doubt play a really crucial role for us um, down back or through throughout our wings or whatever it might be. For the new Irish players, is it a case of trying to cross-train them in different positions or is it trying to pick like a running halfback or wing position and just solely getting them to train there and leveraging that running ability? Yeah, it's, it's probably more trying to settle them into the one position. Uh, at the moment, Eric is playing halfback, so that running, we've got to have her on a bit of a tight leash because she sometimes finds herself in deep inside our forward line. So uh, just trying to rein her running ability in a little bit Someone like uh, Vicky, she she predominantly plays as sort of a forward in in Gaelic. The game the games are quite similar. Um, the movement patterns, are, you know, have similarities. So she'll play as a forward for us and just yeah, be super dynamic. You know, high pressure, but also just create that speed and um, dynamics in the forward line. Just while we're having a talk about defence, obviously one of the big changes for you last year was spending a bit of more bit more time back there what was that experience like shifting a little bit more of your midfield time to half back and then how do you think that that's going to progress in uh, in season seven it was a bit of a mindset shift I, I think because as a midfielder I've played midfield my whole career you're constantly around the footy and you're constantly in the game so for me I had to I guess realize that you know I'm not going to be in and amongst it um early in the game and that I'm just going to have to adjust to that. So that was that took me some adjusting, um, and then probably just aerially, uh, it wasn't. It's not never been my strength of mine, but I had to really improve that throughout the preseason. Um, there was plenty of times that I doubted myself along the journey, um, but then you know there was plenty of discussions with my teammates, with our club psych, uh, just to get me into the, the best possible mindset, and it yeah really helped me. I, I've really embraced playing down back it's as a leader of the club you can really it helps to to lead because you can help set up the field a little bit better than 
when you're in the amongst it in the midfield. So yeah, I've I've embraced it. It's it's been good for my own development. Um, just learning a lot more about the game. There was a lot of the defensive setups that I had no idea about. So now I've got a better understanding of what our forwards are doing, but also what our midfielders and, and backs are trying to achieve. Super interesting. And obviously this year, you know, you were talking about the expansion clubs. Obviously that means that a lot of teams have been kind of thinned out in some key positions. The the loss of someone like like Jess Duffin down back, is it going to be a, another case of kind of step finding other people to step into that leadership role back there? Or as you get more comfortable with, with the position in the role, is that something you're going to take on? Yeah, well, I mean, someone like Jess Duffin, uh, you can't you can't replace her experience. So um, that's something that I'll try to take on a little bit more of. But um, in terms of personnel down there, we've got, you know, people like Sarah Wright and Jazz Ferguson um, who have, you know, come into our um, back line set up and they've played really crucial roles. But probably the one that, you know, is quite underrated for us is someone like Danny Hardiman who, um, you know, always plays that general down back. So um, she's just coming back from a bit of surgery that she had post-season. So, yeah, her fitness and stuff will be really crucial for us, but also I think she'll play a really pivotal role in, in terms of that um, intercept marking sort of area, which Jess Duffin really excelled at. Is it feeling a little bit better around the club now that you, there's a little bit more certainty about the season with, you know, less COVID concerns? Is that something that's, I suppose, helping out of North this pre-season? Yeah, it, it certainly has. I mean, in saying that, it, it has still got its challenges. We've had couple of players that have gone down in pre-season with COVID. We've had others with the flu who are missing training. So it does have an impact on your your numbers on the track, but um, we sort of just move on and, and get on with it. Um, what's really pleasing is we know our fixture. We know what games are going to be coming. We know that games won't be cancelled or fingers crossed they won't be. So having that certainty is, is really um, fundamental in, you know, setting us up and, and making sure all girls feel really comfortable um, on and off the field. Another player that has left the club is Caitlin Ashmore. She was one of your more aggressive wingers, getting that ball inside 50. Is she someone that you're going to be looking at replacing with one player coming in, you know, next soldier up, or is it someone that you know, potentially you will rotate a few people through that role? Yeah, we've got a few um, young girls that are coming through that will play that that role. Obviously losing someone of her class is, you know, it leaves a bit of a gap for us, um, particularly she's she's really great offensively for us. So um, I think for us it's just about finding the right balance between attack and defence as that wing of, you know, you, you see the great teams in the men's or the women's games and it's always the wingers that play such a crucial role uh, often goes unrewarded. It's one of the toughest positions you'll play in the game, but um, we believe we've got the, the right people in place that can play that role for us, which will be uh, really beneficial for us going forward. Yeah, I think that two-way running style is just, it's so difficult to do. Um, not I think for I've me. It's not for me anyway. No, not at all. Yeah. I think Liam here actually plays on the wing for his, his soccer team, and that's that's just some running that I can't manage. I, I it's a, See, I, I totally love the mindset, just like just head down, run as hard as you possibly can because – even if you only touch the ball three times, you can impact the game so much just by being in the right spot. But, yeah, it's it's not a role for everybody at, at AFL men's 
or AFLW or kind of any sport where there's a really fat side to the ground. Yeah, a lot of respect for you there, Liam. It's, you've got to be a bit of a nutter to really love it. <laughs> I think uh, Norse's first draft pick in the, the draft recently is also a bit of a winger in Taylor Gatt. What are your first impressions of her? She is another one that's super speedy. Uh, and what, what I love about her is that she's not afraid to take on the game. So there's been plenty of times at training um, when we're doing match sim that she tucks it under her arm and, and away she goes. So, um, yeah, when she continues to develop her confidence and understanding of our game style, um, yeah, she'll be a really exciting prospect for us and, and hopefully we can get a few games into her this season. I really love that North's got such an aggressive uh, way of putting it forward and it really gets the scores churning over. And I don't think there's a team that put out as many like competitive high-scoring games as North last year. A lot of the goals, I suppose, were coming from the midfield. Is that something we can expect again this year? Yeah, I, I think I don't, don't think that sort of game style is sustainable against the top teams. We need to have our, our forwards being able to contribute um, on the scoreboard. So, oh, no doubt, you know, people like Jazz Garner, she's always going to be able to push forward and get the scoreboard. She's such a classy player. But if we can get the likes of an Emma King, Talia Randall, Sophia Abichangelo to be really firing for us, um, it's going to put us in a really dangerous position. Um, I just look at the teams that played off in the grand final in Melbourne and Adelaide, and they've got a really dynamic forward line. Um, there's not one of those forwards that you think, oh, I can just sag off a little bit and um, help out. So, uh, yeah, I think the way that we're, we've changed slightly, made small tinkers into the way we want to move the ball will um, make a huge difference for our forwards being able to compete. Watching Jazz Garner last year kind of dominate as both a forward and a, and a midfielder was, was really entertaining to watch, but... As you say, it's great to have a, a midfielder who can kick 11 goals, but Melbourne and Adelaide having those leading goal scorers is obviously uh, something to strive for. Last season, we saw Emma King up forward a little bit more, providing that marking target inside 50. I think she kicked two goals against West Coast in round 10 and a pretty impressive performance there. Is that something we're going to see a little bit more this season, particularly with Kim Rennie doing so well in the ruck? Yeah, um, yeah, I think... Kingy will probably play predominantly forward. Um, she certainly is one of the best tap rucks in the in the competition, particularly centre bounce ruck contests where she can sort of run and jump at the footy. So, yeah, I'm sure she'll do a mixture of both. But you know, when she's a big presence for us, it's it's an easy target to sort of look up to. So, um, I'm sure you will see Emma King and Talia Randall sort of waxing as forwards um, for us probably the whole year. On Talia Randall, very exciting she's taken out the Mark of the Year award. That was a huge clunk against the, the GWS Giants last season. Can't, yeah, she, can't wait to see more of that. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, there's uh, playing in defence at training, you do not want to go back with the flight of the ball because you know that Talia Randall's coming up with that knee <laughs> of hers. Uh, she She's super powerful. That's That's one of her greatest weapons. Um, and for her to play her first season as a forward, as you know, coming from the back line, um, yeah, she was she was really good for us, and she's still got a lot of growth in her game. She's still super young, so um, if we can get her tank up a little bit and get her running around the ground a little bit more, 
um, yeah, she'll be a huge weapon for us. But I, I just love the attack that she has on the, on the footy. It's, um, it's elite. Mm. Up forward, there's another player, I suppose, we were following pretty closely this preseason, which is uh, Ellie Cavallis. I think that's her last name. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. But she's also had a pretty good ability to hit the, the scoreboard at pretty key times during matches. Given she's coming into, I think, her third season now, we're pretty excited to see her this season. What, what do you reckon about her? Someone like Gab, she's she's played mostly uh, as a midfielder, but when she pushes forward, she's got this ability to just hit the scoreboard. So, again, she's been a real weapon for us. She's come from a soccer background, so her ability to use her hips to get out of traffic but then to um, snap the ball um, is a huge asset. So, yeah, she's um, she'll probably spend a bit more time forward for us just because of how dynamic she is down there. Um, but, yeah, she plays a really crucial role for us. Um, so I have no doubt that she'll be trying to hit the scoreboard again. I think that's all the time, I suppose, we have for today. Really appreciate you coming on. It's been fantastic chatting with you. One final question before we go is if there's one, one player at North Melbourne that we should be keeping an eye on this coming season, who would it be? Ooh. I mean, I haven't even seen her yet, but Vicky Wall. She's the one. The highlights are that good. They're that that good in Gaelic. So fingers crossed, it translates really well over to the Aussie rules game. So that's a deep cut. That's that's amazing to hear. Very interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll we'll see you later. No worries. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thanks. See ya. Wow, great to have a superstar of the game on. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to one of our missing co-hosts today, uh, Will. Uh, he's been arranging a lot of the player interviews that we've had so far. He wasn't able to join us today, but the fact that he's booked uh, such a big player for us, I reckon he's contributed more than, than you and I have just being on the podcast. Well, speak for yourself there, Jono. I think I bring a lot. But, yeah, <laughs> what a massive effort for someone who's, like, you know, not in marketing, not in player relations, just a guy who's obsessed. Uh, it's a pretty incredible job. Yeah. No, he's done He's done very well. And and it's, oh, it's it, the, for us to be able to talk to someone like Emma, um, that's, that's a bucket list item for me. So uh, well, what we might do now is take a look back over the North Melbourne lineup but with a bit more of a fantasy point of view in mind. We'll try to keep some of Emma's insights in mind as we do, though. So, Liam, from that interview, what's the most important thing that we need to note about North Melbourne from a fantasy lens coming into Season 7? Yeah, so kind of going into this discussion and coming into this season, we know that they've lost some, some key players with a massive amount of experience, both on the wing in Caitlin Ashmore and then down back in Jess Duffin. What I took away from that interview is it doesn't sound like there's going to be a one-for-one player replacement, which is kind of difficult from a fantasy perspective. You really want to be able to just know quite early on who's going to replace someone in a role. When it doesn't sound like we're going to get that. Yeah, it does sound like they're just going to spread the load a little bit, which is not ideal because it does mean that, you know, rather than having one player having that 20-point, 30-point jump that we would hope for, it, it might just be a couple, you know, two points here, one point there sort of a situation. Yeah, and the other problem as well is it's going to be in positions that aren't necessarily particularly fantasy relevant. So a really good winger 
can still average enough points, particularly if they're listed as a forward or defender, to maybe make it into your final position if you're fully upgraded out of rookies. And then Jess Duffin played a massive intercepting role uh, across her career, which again can be a fantasy-relevant role, but you've really got to be an elite player to be able to do it. So a Ruby Slasher can score enough points in that role. But Jess Duffin kind of struggled last season and lost a substantial amount of cash just because the ball wasn't going back down there enough. And it was just like a dip in marks, a couple of extra players here or there. It's not that fantasy helpful. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But at the same time, I think the thing that makes me most excited about North, though, is that since they have had that turnover, it is very likely we're going to be seeing debutants this season. Uh, and we're also... We're, they've still kept a lot of their superstars and those that are going to be, we might have potentially the best player in each position coming from North Melbourne because they've got Emma Carney in the back line listed as a defender. They've got Ash Riddell in the midfield, who's definitely up there for one of the best midfielders in the comp. Top five, 100%. Yeah. And we're also, we'll come to this a little bit later, but if Jazz Garner is, is listed as a forward, that is something that might be too hard to miss. Look, let's get in. Let's get into these chats about the players. And first on our watch list, I think we're going to have to start with Emma Carney down back. Last season, she was listed as a midfielder, and I mean, compared to her seasons where she was playing as a midfielder, you know, dropped off a little bit in points. But we're talking about one of the best players in the comp here, playing off uh, half back, uh, and now listed as a defender. I I see her averaging another. 65 to 70 this season and that is potentially going to be one of your best defenders yeah so i think the big thing that i took from that interview which obviously she's quite keen on the idea of kind of cementing herself down back and really taking on a new role as halfback intercepting player and captain and how that can be really helpful the thing i took away though was does not sound like there's any magnetism back to the midfield there's none of that, I'm going to keep playing down back and I'm going to chop and chop out in the midfield, which just kind of gives you that glint of this player could be value, right? So let's say she averages 65 next season, still a top five defender and importantly, probably a top three defender when the season starts because a lot of the big defenders from last year will become midfielders. but. Just I'm a little concerned that there won't be those sugar games, those like massive scores with time in the midfield that would make it worthwhile picking such a high-priced player. Yeah, look, I see what you're saying because she did have quite a reduced ceiling last season. I think a top score of 101, which was in that first game back in round two. But at the same time, you don't see many better floors because I think she only dipped under 60 like three times. And if she can, you know, if you can have someone consistently pushing out 70 scores in your back line, I mean, I'd take that in day of the week. Like 100%, very consistent. And I'm kind of arguing on the margins here because there's a reason why I think she'll be a top three defender to start the season. There is a very clear flaw that exists to her scores in each game. And if you kind of wanted to be the devil's advocate to my argument, She's only gone and said she feels a lot more comfortable down back. She's clearly put effort into being a better intercept marker. Maybe a couple of extra intercept marks a game 
that's an extra, you know, nine points, give or take. Depends and then on you're taking on the leadership as well from, from Jess Duffin. You know, maybe they're going to want the ball in her hands a little bit more while some of these other players around her are picking up the game and, and getting back up to the level. Yeah, and, and at that point then, when you're kind of constructing your team, it's going to be a bit of push comes to shove. Maybe I can't afford Ruby Slicer, who's going to be the most expensive defender in the game. Maybe I go Emma Carney because I see a couple of easy matchups in the first few weeks that can really just push that average up to pushing maybe 72, 73 is kind of the high end. Yeah, I think this is one where, you know, we know she's going to be one of the best scorers. And when we come to picking our defensive lines, we're probably going to need to go through and just consider from a strategy perspective, you know, are we starting with some of the best players or are we looking for value in everyone? Because I think that's uh, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges this season. Just with a short season, you know, it, it's going to be hard to make these, these upgrades to these really, really gun players. We're not going to have the time to develop the cash we might want. So sometimes starting with these dogs, if there's going to be a gap between, you know, Carney and schleiser and then everyone else then maybe we should just start with them and and hold on from from round one yeah 100 percent. and i think the thing as well with defenders the top five defenders from last year all gained in value so and i i in my team i didn't start with ruby schleicher who started as the most expensive forward i started with emma swanson and then just kind of rode the the you know to the heights of a Beck Webster is my D2, which ended up being really, really important, the, the, probably one of the most important players to have. Um, I think the, the key thing there, though, is it is going to be a very strategic decision. I don't think there's a correct answer on do you Carney or do you not Carney. It's just oh, like I wouldn't feel 100% confident because I know that the ceiling is there. Definitely. Well, look, if we jump, I suppose, to the other end of the spectrum in the back line, uh, it sounds like we're going to have a debutante there uh, at some point during the season, hopefully round one, by the name of Erica O'Shea. So she's one of the two Irish recruits coming across to North Melbourne this season. Uh, hasn't played AFL before, so this is going to be brand new to her. But uh, it sounds like a fantastic two-way runner and someone that they they might have playing off halfback early on. Yeah, and obviously any little sniff you can get on a rookie coming into a team You've got to be listening to it. You've got to be on the lookout for it. Now, the comment that Emma did make about potentially ending up running in the wrong areas because she just wants to be everywhere, a little bit alarming from a job security perspective, but 100% will be on the watch list, pre-season material, and whenever they do come into the team, someone that we might want to uh, use as a downgrade. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's uh, that's another good one to keep in our back pocket then. Uh, moving on to the midfield. We have Ashley, yeah, Ashley Riddell. I think one of the most exciting things last year was Ash Riddell managed to break the disposals record, uh, racked up 299 across the season, which is a huge effort. That's that's averaging nearly 30 disposals a game in fairly reduced minutes. So it's, it's very impressive. Any chance you're going to start with her this year? In the preseason, Ash Riddell will be in some iteration of my team. Like her watching her just junk it up consistently was pretty rough for most of last year when she wasn't in my team. Now she was in my team for one round. She had 42 possessions and scored 129 fantasy points as my captain in round 10 to get me the third place overall. So she holds a soft spot in my heart 
but also I spent a lot of the year frustrated not owning her. The question just becomes, what am I going to be more frustrated doing? Is it watching a, you know, uh, Ebony Marinoff score 145, even when Anne Hatchard's going to score a 90 or 100? Or am I going to be more annoyed watching a Riddell when she scores 110, 115, but there's just going to be some weeks where Jazz Garner is just going to poach it, and we did see that a little bit last year. Yeah, and another thing is that North do have quite a tough fixture early on. So they start with Gold Coast, but they follow that up with Melbourne and Adelaide in rounds two and three, and that's a bit of a challenge. So I, I just don't know if early on she's really going to be the one that you want to start in your team. But, I mean, once once you get past that, I see no reason why she can't get back to those heights. It's always hard coming off, you know, a, a career best year where you've you've done something so amazing. But, God, it's, it's hard to see any reason why she's not going to do it again. Oh, like, truly, I would be willing to put money on the fact that she'd be a top five mid for this year. Alongside Bowers, the two Adelaide midfielders. Hmm. Someone else who pops up. Someone, someone else yeah. who's fifth. Yeah, my money is on Haley Miller, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the, the trajectory, like progression, is not always linear on Haley Miller, but we'll get to that at some point later. Oh, we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> uh, well, look, I think with this North midfield, the one thing that was really interesting, Emma Carney was mentioning, was the fact that that wing position of Ashmore, it's not a one in one out, so. That to me is that's really going to spread the load. And they already have a lot of players running through the wing position. Yeah, it was interesting that when we were discussing replacements for Jess Duffin's role, there were specific players who were mentioned as replacements. Jess Ferguson, for example. When we got to the wing, conspicuously, nobody was named. And in fact, mm-hmm. the only time we got mentioned of people that might play there were the rookies the two Irish rookies who may ultimately roll through there at some point as high running players. That suggests to me they are not set on who it will be and it will most likely follow their usual philosophy, which is just roll a bunch of people through there. Like, let's keep them fresh. Yeah. Last year, they definitely had, uh, well, last season, they've had four or five different players running through, getting regular minutes on that wing. And you can very much see the same, same group rotating through. So... Uh, it's it's not a it's not promising, I suppose, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. Maybe maybe we get a rookie who sits out there, does a bit of work, maybe is a downgrade target. But at the moment, I'm not flagging it as like one of my key watch points for the preseason. Like who's on North Melbourne's wing? I just don't see it as being that key key debate. Well, the next thing then, uh, speaking of rookies, so we had a pretty big breakout last year in the North midfield from Mia King who ended up leading the team in tackles per game and was just providing a really, really strong defensive presence in that midfield. Because on the other side, you have Garner and Riddell just you know, racking up the disposals, moving the ball forward. So really fantastic effort. One player that I think might make an appearance at some point this season uh, is the unrelated uh, Perry King, uh, who has... How many a- Kings are there in this <laughs> team? Like 10? There, there were three last season... Now, now two. I think I think there was one listed in the off season. Oh, hold on, no, they, they no, had no. four. They Perry, had four with Emma King as well. Mia, Emma, yeah, yeah, drop it, Daddy. It's been quite a few, yeah. Ah, oh, but Perry King last season 
still quite young and I think coming into her third season, she also provides a lot of that tackle defensive pressure. And this is something that I suppose Emma seemed to be flagging is that they want to kind of take that aggressive midfield style away and just try and make sure that their scoring is coming from their forward line because that's more reliable against the top teams. I really like that they're thinking about that little adjustment there. If they wanted to bring in a pretty you know, strong defensive midfielder, I think Perry King could be a great option. Yeah, 100%. And even though she hasn't played any AFLW, has had some games in the VFLW and will be a basement price player. And in those VFLW games, clearly shows some tackling presence. I think there was a couple of times where she had more tackles kind of in the you know the high single digits or you know, low double digits than she did possessions, which suggests mm-hmm. to me that if you're looking to kind of slow your game down, plan down a little bit, try and limit the potential for opponents to score, particularly against really good teams who almost always have loaded midfielders, she's one to watch. That's one, I suppose, we're going to have to keep an eye out for round one when we're, we're looking at the, what those teams are. I think we might have, you know, more safe job security from some of the expansion sides, but, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Now, I know you haven't mentioned her as like a player to talk about. We need to talk about the, the elephant in the room that is Jazz Garner. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's, here's our conundrum, and we're not, we won't get too into it at this point. We're going to have a full episode talking about forwards and midfielders. Here's the, here's the key conundrum. As a midfielder, is has an amazing ceiling, particularly when she's kicking bags of goals. I think she had like 11 for the season. North Melbourne's leading goal scorer as, you know, a predominantly midfielder who rests forward. The issue is if she's a midfielder, she's a very good midfielder, but she's not a top five mid. And I think we kind of saw her break out last year and it was pretty early in the season. So I feel like we're going to be getting more of this more consistently. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if Jazz Garner is listed as a forward, it's almost you have to do it because she's going to be heads and shoulders above every other player in the comp. Even as a midfielder, I, I would think about it, to be honest. I think she, some of her ceiling games are phenomenal and she definitely came into last season a little bit slower. And if she can do in the back half of the season what she uh, in this coming season, all, all 10 rounds, I think we're going to want her on our sides. Yeah, like the the reason why you might want to own her is that spring, sprinkled in amongst a, a run of games that had 103, 112, and then 117 is a fat 40, which is just not ideal. But if you want to be positive about it, that's baked into her price stat average. There is still some potential there. Now, if you're doing that analysis, not for a mid, but for a forward, it's almost going to be too persuasive. Like it's, she's just going to be heads and shoulders above everybody else. And given the way that she played last year and how many, you know, how many goals she kicked as a lead out forward, she may continue to have forward status for a long time. She had four scores above 100 last season. And I don't think you could name any other forward in the game that's even gotten close to that. Yeah, no, nah, not and no one scored as high as 134 against West Coast in round 10. Like, yeah. that that is a massive peak, and it's good to see a massive junk score against a team you should have a junk score against. That is just a sign that things are progressing in the right direction. 
Yeah, and and she can also get it done against the better teams. I mean, she had 103 against Fremantle. She had 92 against Melbourne, uh, and an 87 early on against Adelaide. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty solid. Oh, it's like more than just solid. It's like uh, if that's the average score, that's still you know a top three average for forwards. Like it's still very good. It's just going to be, again, down to team constructions. If you do take, if she is a forward, she'll be easily the most highly priced forward. But you're probably going to have to give up on maybe another super uber primo in your midfield on the other end. Or you might have to deprioritize another mid-pricer and take a rookie. It's all just going to be those fine margin stuff. But she's definitely in the calculus. We need to be thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a very high chance that she's going to be in my round one team at this point of the season. So another player in the North forward line that we might need to have a think about is Ellie Gavalis. She is very similar to Jazz Garner in the sense that she has a, a good scoreboard impact, kicking goals, but also runs through the middle at times. It seems from Emma's little insights there that she might be playing a bit more forward this season. Yeah, which doesn't exactly fill me with a lot of hope. And given over the last two seasons, this the fantasy scoring has just been like meh, like not elite. And it's kind of been a very linear, prog- like not, not even linear. It's just been a very consistent high 50s average. Yeah, not she's still quite young. Hope. So trying to get that, you know, consistency in her game. I think she's this will be her third year, which is I think why we were pretty keen to hear you know, is this a potential third-year breakout on the cards or third-season breakout, I guess, because it is two in the year 2022. But yeah, if, if and, the and, role and is impacted, it's not a great sign. Yeah, it, what, the, the problem there is, and I'm just like having a look at her scores, I think typically what you want to see from a third-year breakout is quite often it's first year, pretty average, below average. Second year, there's quite often not as big a jump again. It's not like, oh, you were, you know, 40s when you were a rookie. You've now done a second season. You're now like 70 because you're doubly as good and whatever. You might want to see just a progression up to a 50. There might be some games where it's like, wow, you still look like a rookie. And then it's the third year, third preseason, third whatever, that you really see that jump. The problem with Ellie Gavalis is that, all of the game scores are in a very similar band across her entire career. I'm not seeing that like up a little bit further up and then third year launch just doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. This is very much a will player to like, like <laughs> a lot of potential. Well, of- I think she, I think she is one of those really high impact players where it's the, the goals she was kicking last season were at really crucial times for North Melbourne. And it's, yeah, you know, you like to see a player who stands up in the big moments. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to think of many examples, but I think that those ones who, you know, really capture the moment, it's just I don't think a lot of those are necessarily the fantasy guns. We want the people junking it up. when. I think, I think it's loose. like they're not the same player, but like a Courtney Hodder at Brisbane can truly light a game on fire and score 50 and kick some, a miraculous goal that turns the team around at a really key, crucial point of the game. Just not sure about that here as a fantasy player. Yeah. So I reckon I reckon I might give that one a miss, but, you know, watching round one pretty closely because if she has got that midfield role, maybe one to just keep it uh, tabs on early in the season, bring 100%. her in after those Melbourne and Adelaide tough matchups. Now, we've got to talk about the 
the the player to watch, Emma Carney's player to watch, Vicky Walls. To pull back the curtain, going into the interview, we kind of knew that they'd had a couple of new Irish recruits. And quite often that means, you know, a pretty attacking style of gameplay, a lot of running. After that recommendation, I've gone away and watched some highlights and I get it. This is someone who just, and to kind of take the words that we heard about Madison Presparkers, just moves a bit different. Just on a field of, prof- like, actually, no, they're not professional athletes in Gaelic, but elite athletes, just appeared to be moving a little bit faster. The wiggle of the hips that they had going on, like, and also in a pretty, like, well-built player, just looks like someone to watch, just has a bit of an, a sense for the ball. And even if she's not played any before, I'm 100% looking at her as a rookie if she plays round one. Yeah, she, she he looks quick and she looks strong and she looks clever. It's, yeah, uh, like all of the things you want. Mix. And like maybe we're sipping from the same Kool-Aid that Emma was, but like I get it. I 100% get it having watched them. Yeah, no, I, I, I recommend anyone to just look up some of her highlights. They are, it, it takes you no time at all just to see how she moves. So. Yeah, like the first highlight I turn on, the first 20 seconds of gameplay, she duped two people and had a key assist for a goal, for an over. Like immediate impact kind of player. Maybe it's the same problem, but who cares? Well, that's great to hear. I think the North has also got some new key forwards, but I don't think that's necessarily going to affect us too much. Uh, I, I think really uh, the last thing we want to touch on before we wrap up the podcast is probably just the Rucks uh, because North have got the two there. They've got Emma King and they've got Kim Rennie. It sounds like Emma King is going to be up forward a little bit more and Kim Rennie might take lion's share of the Ruck. Yeah, but again, it just sounds like it's a couple of CBAs here or there. It wasn't like definitive. One is just a Ruck, one is just a forward. And even then, part of it might mean that when the ball is inside 50, Kim Rennie won't be there. Emma King will dominate the hitouts. And so I'm just like, they're good players. And Emma King was great to watch last year, kind of really came into her own scoring-wise. Just a bit meh on it from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've got better options. But, you know, I'm excited for the impact that Emma can have down forward because she kicked a couple of goals against West Coast late in the season. It looked looked very strong as a marking target. So yeah, more, and, of a, and, more from an enjoyment of watching the game rather than a fantasy perspective. Yeah. And I'd just like to apologise for all those people that listen to the end of every single one of these breakdowns for us to talk about the rucks and for us to quite often go, eh, we don't think so. We think we've got better options. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're coming for sure. Just they're definitely coming. I, I yeah. think the problem we've got is that I'm firmly in camp take the expansion team rucks they're going to be super cheap and there's a floor to rucks and so i'm just keep on like punting it down to the end when we start finally get a chance to talk about it yes yeah that's true but look i think i think there's there's hope on the horizon because uh, this is going to be it for our discussion of north melbourne but next we're going to move on to our next team skipping port adelaide because we're leaving the expansion clubs last so Next up is going to be the Richmond Tigers, and Richmond do have a very strong rock option for us. I'm looking forward to discussing that. So, you know, keep an eye out for our episode tomorrow. We've got our best 21 coming out on socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Stephen. And I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. We'll catch you tomorrow. See ya. See ya.